This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Matthew 28, 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Heavenly Father, help us this morning to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, help us to be good listeners, and more so, help us to be good doers of your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. If you've come to the church in the back, you might see some free notebooks like this, and uh, they're for free and for anybody. Uh, what I suggest is that you grab one uh, and start taking notes during the Sunday sermon. Uh, whomever is preaching. I think when you take notes, it helps to retain. And uh, so I have all the notes of all our elders who have preached and uh, Eric who preached. I have them all right here uh, on my notebook in my office. Now, um, in a perfect world, you know, I would take those home and look it over. But sometimes in a non-perfect world, I I don't. and I just leave it on the pew. Now, I happen to work here, so I'll just look through it. But if you, did, if you don't work here, even if you left it on the pew, if you put your name on there, I still think it would be good to help with retaining uh, the message. There are so many things that can go on, you know, uh, during the service. Your stomach might be grumbling. Uh, you might, you know, need to go to the bathroom, but you don't want to interrupt. Uh, all sorts of things that could be happening to help you distract your thinking. Um, and so if you're writing the notes down, and what I like to do is just almost like write word for word. And if you notice when uh, one of our elders were preaching, I'd come up and I'd have my notebook and I would repeat a line, you know, like, this is what you just said. This is something that kind of resonated with me. I, I think it's just a good way of helping uh, to retain what the Lord is speaking to us about. Hey, before I go on, uh, I'd like to uh, congratulate uh, a new citizen of the United States passed all the exams and uh, was sworn in, uh, Deanna. <laughs> Gloria a Dios. Gloria a Dios. You know, um, <laughs> how do you say Gloria a Dios? Can you, can you say Gloria a Dios? Gloria My O's are different. And uh, for years, I would go to Latin America to do mission work. And I'd get in the taxi, and immediately I would say, hey, uh, take me to the hotel so-and-so in Spanish. And immediately they would say, oh, so you're from the States. And I would like, how do they know? I look like everybody else. How do they know? And I said, it must be the shoes. Maybe the, the, the Adidas that I'm wearing uh, aren't the kind they have here. And immediately uh, they, they knew that I was from the States or the, the jeans or the shirt, but it was just... It's just perplexing. Um, year after year, every time I go, like, how do they know? 
uh, until someone mimicked, uh, well, they said mimicked, I call it mocked. Um, they were mimic me, mic, mimicking me in how I speak Spanish, and, it, and, I, and I'm like, I do not speak like that. And they said, yes, you do. So I have American vowels, and so they're a little bit sounding differently, and so that's what was giving me away. So it was like I was going in Spanish, like, please take me to the, you know, the Hotel Marriott, please, you know, and they're like, he's not from here. So for a while, I thought it was my hair, hairdo, the whole bit. Anyway. She says it perfect. Hey, so we've been talking about uh, Matthew 28 and the importance of not just giving and taking the good news. And we've been using the example of a mail carrier. Now, we, could, we can pick on anybody. I didn't want to pick on Dave, especially being so early in the, uh, in the year. You know, and the, and, uh, bus drivers have all sorts of uh, stresses when it comes to the first of the year. Uh, but... The bus driver doesn't necessarily fit the example so much. You know, a mail carrier, you don't care if he's, uh, you don't necessarily care about if, what kind of person he is as long as he delivers the mail. But it gets a little bit different when you're talking about a school bus driver, right? You don't want him to be some reprobate. You want your kids to be carried by someone who's of upstanding character, that not only will they pick them up at the bus stop that they said, uh, but also drop them off safely. And that child represents something that's incredibly valuable, very precious. And so there you, you do background, and I'm sure they do background checks in, in post office and all. Um, but there you got to make sure this person has a background check because it's not enough to be able to drive a bus and pick up kids and drop them off. You have to be a person of character to a certain point, right? Well, in the ministry as believers, even more so, that's the point we're trying to make, is that God is concerned not only that we deliver the good news of Jesus Christ, but that we are the good news kind of people. And so that's where we've been the last few weeks. And so it's important what kind of person you are. So it's not just delivering a package or delivering a message. It's, a, it's that God is working in us, and it's as important to the person who is delivering the message to be a person of good news. So I'm going to challenge us this morning that we would uh, be careful to not rush into going because of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. That God would allow his Holy Spirit to work in us. I believe strongly that God makes it clear through his word that who we are is as vitally important as, is, as delivering the mail of the good news. And let me just say this. If we're going to be delivering the mail of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, it's not only important to deliver the good news, and I've said this already, but that we are good news people. What kind of neighbors are we? What kind of neighbors are we? You know, the kind of, <laughs> that people will look like, that's a nice neighbor. 
or that's a mean neighbor. Uh, the hard truth that God cares who we are and who we are becoming. Now, I recognize almost everybody, so I'm going to try to talk to you from the heart. Uh, I'm going I'm to tell you something you probably already know, but I'm going to say it. All right? The older you get, the older you get, the cement settles, and it's pretty hard. The harder it is to change. The harder it is to change. My challenge for you, and it's been, I've, I've done this a few years, how has the Lord changed you in the last year? or the last two years, or the last five years? Is, has there been a change? Now, I know there's probably been a desire, like I desire to lift weights and get fit. And I have, and, and I have a serious desire. And if you can ask my son, Mason, we talk about, uh, you know, should I buy this set or should I buy that set? And he's telling, don't waste your money, just do, you know, push-ups and sit-ups. But then I, a few months later, I have this heart desire. I'm like, hey, what do you think if I join uh, this gym? And then my wife is like, you joined the gym, uh, you fit, and spent over 100 bucks, and you never went. Okay. But I have a very strong desire to get in shape. Right. But guess what happened? Nothing happened. <laughs> so uh, what I found that as I've gotten older, I definitely have gotten in a rhythm of life that... I don't really have time to change. My friend Patrick, he gets up early in the morning, right, 5, five o'clock, 5.15, to go work out in the morning. And uh, I have a desire to go. I really do. But uh, the, the, uh, the heart's willing, but the flesh is not. And so, again, so here's the challenge you need to ask yourself because the Holy Spirit is asking you, have you changed? That thing that you've been praying for, that character change that you have been praying for, has, it, has the Lord, have you allowed the Lord to help you change? Are you still that person that explodes? Are you still that person that implodes? It has that, that you know, that, that hold on to grudges. And you're like, and you know it's wrong. You know it. And you, and you probably even raised your hand at church. Like, Lord, I want to change. But here we are, years later, has it, has it happened? I am here to tell you, it's not, not, it's not because of the Lord. Now, our, our hearts settle pretty hard like cement, and uh, it's, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of, you know, demolition of breaking up that, that, uh, that hard ground. So it is important that God wants us to be he cares who we are and who we are becoming. So when we deliver us the good news of salvation that includes justice and inclusion and unity and forgiveness and wholeness, it has to couple itself with holiness and humility and integrity. You can't separate the two. A pet peeve that I have of mine is, uh, and, and nobody here does it, thank the Lord, of um, like friends who, uh, you know, I grew up and maybe they were part of the church years ago, and they're always clamoring how the church isn't living up to, uh, you know, its end of the bargain, I guess. 
And you know, my, my heart wants to say, well, how are you doing in this? You know, it's, it's always like, you aren't doing this, and you aren't doing this. And, you, and so one of the challenges of being on stage, and, and I haven't really talked to the elders about this, but Christopher kind of alluded to it. You know, he talked about community. Is It's easier to preach it and then to live it. It really is. I could preach to you that you need to change, and you need to change, and you need to change, and then I, I, then I need to change. So being up here is hard. It's not just delivering it, it's living, living it out. But when we deliver the message of the good news of salvation, justice, uh, unity, forgiveness, it has to couple itself with holiness, humility, and integrity. I don't mean to be mean, but some of our homes, our home life, give people doubts to the plausibility of the good news of Jesus. Some of the way we live at home or at work, sadly, gives people doubt that Jesus really is the good news and he makes a difference and he can change us. And so that's why the Holy Spirit needs, he wants to work on us all. You know, we sing a song, we didn't sing today, no longer a slave to fear. Is that, is that a, true? Is that true? Sometimes I'll sing, you don't hear me. Hopefully this mic doesn't pick me up. I'll actually sing the truth, Lord. I'm still a slave to fear. A lot of times in, in confrontation, it's, it's tough. I, I fear confrontation. Um, I, I know people, sadly, incredibly fearful of uh, all sorts of things. All sorts of things. So God wants to work on us with that. So it's important not only that we give the good news that Jesus is awesome, he'll change your life, you'll go from slave to free, uh, he'll set you free, you're going to go from the, on the road to hell to the, to the road to heaven, and, uh, and he'll change your life. And then people want to see that life that's been changed, how we treat our, our spouses, how we treat our children, how we treat our coworkers. God is concerned about all that. So it's not just going to one geographical location to the other. It's going from where we were and who we're, we're becoming. So it's not just geography of Matthew 28. So some of our homes, sadly, can rise doubt to the plausibility of the power and the blood of Jesus. We say we're Christians but our mouths say something different. And that's why social media is horrible for that. Like this person's a believer and you're telling people to shut their mouth and go do something. Well, that's not very Christ-like. It brings confusion. It brings doubt to the plausibility of the good news of Christ. What we watch, it was interesting. I have this uh, wannabe Apple tablet it's a fire tablet, Amazon. It's a lot cheaper. 
Um, I walk up here, and I, what popped up was uh, my Netflix. I have a Netflix account. <laughs> and I have nothing to hide. You can come look at it. But it, I couldn't even imagine if something was on there, like something I watched this weekend or this past week, and it popped up right before I got here. It matters what we watch. It matters. People are watching. I am not kidding, and my son Mason doesn't know this, okay? He was at my house last night, and we both <laughs> have stiff backs, so I try to crack his back, and then he tried to crack my back. And lo and behold, in my Amazon feed and an email, I hear you have back problems. Strangest thing, strangest thing. Could be coincidental, it could be. Could be something else, somebody's listening. But we need to live a life like that, that somebody's listening, somebody is watching, God is watching, God is listening. Everybody's like, we don't have to be fearful, all right? We don't have to live, we don't have to live in fear. Um, I'm off track here, but Dave, David is our, uh, our accountant, and then I have Becky, who's not here this morning. Um, having those two on our accounting team has released me from any fear of anybody coming in and looking at the books, because they look at the books. And so it, it's amazing when you're living right by the power of the Holy Spirit, how free that is. You, you, you could come in and look, check the checkbooks, see the expenses, see where money's coming. It's, it's a, that truly is freedom, so thank you. But it's, it's accountability, and the Lord wants to hold us accountable because of his love. He wants us not only to preach the good news, but I think what helps us to preach the good news and go to make disciples is that when we are and our hearts are there with it, we're, that we're living what we're preaching, I don't want to create doubt in people around me when I tell them that there's this incredibly life-changing power through the blood of Christ and it not changing me. Who we are will determine how effective we'll be in delivering the package of the good news. When I come up on stage, I, don't, I do not come up here as an expert. That's one thing I love about our marriage conference. It's not like this power couple that have it all together. It's a ministry that's bringing the truth. So I am not up here as a power pastor that has it all together. I am in, on the journey with you and trying to honor God in all that I do. So the question we're asking, we've been asking the last few weeks, is what is the main role? What is the purpose of the church? What is your purpose? Why are you here? Why are we here? Now, hopefully you just say, yeah, I'm asking that question. Don't, don't say that. Leads me to believe this. Our level of commitment depends strongly on our understanding of God. The more you learn and understand God, the greater your commitment to him and to his ways. Now, that has to be coupled by a, a, a submissive heart. We have, 
could have a, a, a Bible teacher at the university here, and just because he knows a lot about the Bible doesn't mean he's a changed person. So our level of commitment depends on our understanding of God. The more depth you have in God's revelation and his word and an experience I call a supernatural experience in Christ, the more committed you'll be to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life within the body of Christ. So here's a question. What do you think made, and we tried to answer it last week, what do you think made the early church so effective in growing the church? What do you think it was? Start answering maybe in your head, what do you think it was? Was it that they were 100% obedient? Like they just heard go and make disciples and like, all right. Then they went. What was it? What do you think? Were they just, they just learned to be obedient? Do you think it was just the right time? And we've heard that. It was just the right time that the roads were there and the cities were there and all that. Was it just that? I believe strongly, with greater conviction than I did even last week, that one of the things is they had a grasp of the story of God. They... When Jesus, you know, and I've read those scriptures last, last week, when Jesus is raised from the dead, he begins to uh, explain to them what the prophets had said, what the word of God said. The, the, the early church didn't think, Lord, I have this, my own plan, I have my own ways, uh, so Lord, can you come down and help me with my plan? The early church realized that God had a plan for redemption and they had to figure out what their role is in that plan. And so I, I believe because when you have an understanding of his word, you recognize, hey, there's something going on here. God is doing something. And we're gonna show the slides here in a second. From the beginning of creation to, to the new creation, God is doing something. There's a story going on, uh, definitely a story of redemption that is going on. And I am, I, I'm now part of the body of Christ, and how do I fit into that story? I believe that's what's going on. And I, and I think the early church recognized that they had a role in God's plan. Now we have uh, Ross here, he's a coach. And, uh, and I've said this in the past, it is incredibly hard to coach a team when, and I had this happen once, um, when kids have their own plan, right? One time I, I, uh, I know, I see Tiffany back there, I was a coach of a soccer team, and right before the game, a parent reached out into her pocket and handed me a piece of paper, and it was her plan for the team. She had her own starting lineup. But, you know, it sounds, <laughs> well, it wasn't a good idea. And, uh, and I remember asking, like, well, you, did you talk to this parent? Because I'm sure they have their own plan for their kid. And, you know, all of a sudden, everybody has their own plan. And you could have 11 different plans for one game based on 11 different pers parent perspectives. 
But if we're not careful, we do the same thing. We hand God a note. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. The audacity of the parent, you know. And I remember talking to my director of coaching, and, she, and he says, like, yeah, just crumple that up. Just go with what we've trained you with. But if we're not careful, we do that. We hand God a note, and we say, hey, here's my plan. Now I want you to adjust everything according to my plan. So, they did not think that they had their own script and wanted Jesus and God to play a part in their story. It was the opposite. They recognized that God had a script, Jesus had a plan, and they wanted to play a part in God's plan. I won't read the scriptures, but you can see it right after in the rest of, um, right there in, um, in Matthew 28, right before when he, when he is risen from the dead. So the, the Great Commission is not an afterthought, like, okay, oh yes, I forgot to tell you this. Go and make disciples. That was always part of the plan. It wasn't just something, that disciples, something for the disciples to do while Jesus was away. And I said this last week, and I just want it to resonate in your hearts. When Jesus commanded for his disciples to go, let me read this carefully. Can we see? Jesus commanded it because the story, the script, or the scripture demanded it. It was already part of the story of God's redemptive plan. Does that make sense? That, you know, from the, the we have creation and then the fall, and now we have this extensive plan of redemption culminated through Jesus Christ and part of that is going and make disciples because there is a plan in place. So the, the Great Commission wasn't just, I'll need our disciples to do something while I'm away. So what is our role as a follower of Christ, a disciple of Jesus? I think one role, and we've been very blessed, is to read, read the word. Read the whole thing, not just portions of it. You know, we talked about theological sweet tooth. We all have them. We all just kind of lean to one. Oh, oh, that really resonated with me. Oh, that really resonates. And you got to be careful because that just may be something you're you just like it, sweet tooth. We got to read the whole scripture. And we've been really blessed to have the whole scripture. All right, um, so in the beginning, was creation, we had the fall, the redemption story, and you could read all that. But when you read the whole story or get a grasp of the whole story, and I know it's hard, reading all the books is not easy. I'm in the middle of uh, reading the Bible again, the chronological version, which is really interesting. Um, so it's, it's hard. So what I would encourage you, if it's really hard for you to read, you can listen or you can, uh, there's other sources you can to watch. But when you read the whole story and you look at your life, one's life, you realize, hey, I'm part of this story. If I want to, I want to be part of this story. You know, when bad things happen to good people, you wouldn't be surprised. You just finished reading Job. You know, uh, you could read uh, the plight of people, like when there's disobedience, uh, 
uh, judgment comes, and, and you shouldn't be surprised because you just read it in the story. Or someone should have been judged, but they were granted uh, mercy. You find that in the Gospels. And, and at the end, you, you read a story where Jesus is coming back. We, we talked about that in communion, and we said it in the Apostles' Creed. He's coming back, and last week I talked to you the story about when mommy's coming home. You better watch out, right? I remember that. Or daddy's coming home. Anybody were afraid when daddy come home? Yeah, me too. My mom was like, wait till dad gets home. Like, I was raised old school. La Correa. Anybody know what the La Correa is? It's the belt. I'm going to finish with this. Daddy's coming back. We've said it. Coming back to judge the living and the dead. What's he going to judge us on? That's the question you should be asking. What's he going to judge me on? You got you to know these. You got to know that. It's coming. Long time ago, I was playing disc golf with a friend named Jonathan, and that's his real name. And we were on the 18th hole, and as we finished, he said, he asked a question of me. Pastor, do you actually believe in hell? Kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And I said, yes. Does God send people to hell? And I said, no. People from their own decision, volition, choose the wide road, and they choose to reject truth, uh, or I wrote, their unrighteousness suppresses the truth, so they're choosing to not follow the way of the Lord. So he said, Pastor, if you really believe this, then why are we playing disc golf instead of going over to the playground and talking to those people in there? That was a good question. I remember feeling convicted. And I said, uh, well, I don't remember what I said. But I still remember the question. It's probably been 14 years ago. I said, well, it, it, it is part of going. And I remember at that very moment, probably all sorts of emotions of fear came in. But I tried to explain to him that there is a partnership going on here, that the Holy Spirit has to work on people, and, and we have to be led by the Spirit. And, and I've done this all. And you guys know my story. I've actually been in the middle of campus on a Wednesday at 12 o'clock at the Union preaching the gospel. I've done it. Um, uh, Rhea and I, we used to go with our team. We'd go to Tennessee Street with a big cross and share the gospel at 11, 12 o'clock at night. I have passed out tracts to strangers. Gone to the mall. I've gone to the library here the university library. Uh, I remember going to USF library, handing tracts to people. I've done, I've done that. Um, like I said, bar evangelism, uh, tracts. I've handed out Bibles. The Gideons came into town, and we were at the Union just hanging out, these little green Bibles. We've prayed for people. We've helped people in need. We've given money to the poor. We've helped people with housing needs. 
We paid for people's electric bills, gave shoes to the homeless kids. One year I was trying to figure out how I can bring a homeless kid from Honduras back to my home. I did all those things, and I'll be honest with you, some people did get saved, but most didn't. Most didn't want to hear about it, especially the people on Tennessee Street. They didn't want to hear about it. So there is something that they, they, people have to listen to what God is, the conviction they have in their hearts, and, and God has, is doing his work, but they have to submit to that. So it's not just me going. There's a, there's a process that's going on. But I'm praying. I said, Lord, I pray for softened hearts. Lord, the, for receptive ears. But in the back of my mind, as I read the whole story of creation, the fall, the redemption story, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then you can see how the early, the early church are, in the epistles, some of them were struggling in their, in their, you know, is it by grace, is it by works, is it by faith? And then at the end, there's, there's the new creation, there's the judgment coming. So I know daddy's coming. So it's imperative that not only do we share the good news, that we are good news people. And I'm trying to be. I will, and I'm being honest with you, and I'll be done here in a second. Um... I have three in-laws. Uh, I have four. I have father-in-law, mother-in-law. I have a son-in-law and two daughter-in-laws. They're new to the family. And uh, actually, I actually haven't talked to them about this before this message. The thing I know and I hope you get is as I'm sharing the good news, there's an element of that's totally up to God. But there's another element that I'm trying to be a good news person. What I don't ever want to be is a reason for someone to doubt the plausibility, the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. And especially at home. I don't want to be that stumbling block that reason somebody trips in their journey with Jesus. I don't want my wife to, to trip over because of me. I don't want my daughter. I don't want my kids. I don't want my daughter-in-laws and my son-in-law. And I don't want my in-laws to say, Mario preaches one thing, but look, look how he treats me or look what he does. I'm not perfect because I've had to say I'm sorry a lot. But I think that's part of the, the redemptive power, the humility to say, and I'm not saying I'm humble. God has helped me to say I'm sorry. I was wrong. So as we share the good news, it's imperative. It's imperative that we are good news people. I want to grasp the story of God and his plan and realize I have a part to play in his plan. My prayers change from God, what plan do you have for me? And it switched to God, what kind of me do you want for your plan? I stopped asking myself, how does the Bible verse fit into my life? 
And I started asking, how does my life fit into that Bible verse? I have much to grow, but I want to play a part in God's redemptive story. You know, tonight we have a big game, and, uh, and I don't know who's playing. I mean, as far as, like, particular athletes, what position. But if you're the star quarterback, and uh, you have a big part to play tonight, and you decided to go do something wrong against team policy, school policy, you literally take yourself out of being part of the story. And that's what sin does. Sin <laughs> removes us from being part of that story. So that, if that kid did something wrong, he stayed out you know, later than curfew time and, and broke team rules, he's not playing tonight. And it affects the whole team. And so that's why we want to ask the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna, uh, I told the band to come on up. Let's do that. Uh, let's do that. Let's finish with this. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, of course, he's talking about leaving one geographic location to another. But I believe it's deeper. It's deeper than geography. It's leaving your old life and embracing his new life in our hearts, in every area. We take on his worldview and we leave behind our worldview. And it says, Matthew, teach them all that I've commanded. How do you teach? You teach by lifestyle and word. Hey, let's go ahead and stand and we're gonna ask the Lord to help us. You know, when you, I'm rereading the Old Testament, when you read Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, you see, um, in our culture, it'd be shocking, but you see a side of God that you take things seriously. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. After reading the Old Testament, I'm almost through. I have a, at least a better understanding of God's holiness than I did. My, my theological sweet tooth, I just want to go, you know, New Testament. Anyway, we're going to sing this last song. I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to your hearts. If you need prayer, we've got elders who'd like to pray with you. Just sing this last song. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.